755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, my co-host. Eric, so what's going on in Seattle, man? Not much, man. Had a good uh, good holiday weekend. Checking out all the baseball news now. There's a lot, of, lot going on. Good holiday weekend. Must be nice to be off, retired and off on the weekend, huh? Yeah, it was great. I backed my uh, I backed my truck up to an Indian reservation tent. They were selling fireworks. And they, Hold I on just, a second. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go with that. I backed my truck up to an Indian reservation tent. Or t- yeah. Indian t- <laughs> I gave them 500 bucks, and they filled the whole bed up with fireworks. So we, we put oh, on quite a show. Stop. That was going to be the beginning of a movie right there. <laughs> An episode of a murder mystery. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> You backed it up. And you gave them five hundred dollars and fill it up with fireworks. No, I normally you got to pick everything out. They just started loading it up. <laughs> they filled up the whole bed of my F one hundred and fifty with fireworks. I mean, we were lighting them off for probably like four hours straight. You're that guy that I everybody am. was complaining about yeah, all weekend on Twitter. I am. I'm sorry. What What the hell happened in the U S. this year? Was it pent up or whatever? But the fireworks went all day and night. <laughs> I thought it was awesome, but I guess. You know, we're lucky because uh, a couple of our neighbors are pretty cool, but um, you don't I guess, have a dog or a cat then. No, no, no. Because people with too. dogs were not happy. <laughs> I'm that asshole. Sorry about it. I just like, I, 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 it never stopped, man. I was just like, <laughs> really? I mean, is it that amusing to keep blowing up M80s? <laughs> Ours I, was. We had I just. Uh, we I had like probably fireworks. like 30 I boats like, parked around our house just watching the whole thing. I like huge fireworks shows overhead, pu- you know, public ones. That's what we but did. The, but the private fireworks, I just don't get the peel, man. I mean, no, I've had was one like too many of them show. blow up in my hand to begin with. But, oh, okay. We put on like a stadium show. I mean, they gave me good stuff. It wasn't you. like M80s and stuff. They you. were shooting up. I mean, it, it looked like something that would happen after a baseball game. And they do look cool over over a lake, too. You're right. Really look cool over water. It was that awesome. where they look best, man. Downtowns with water, rivers and shit. That's yeah. where they look best. My neighbor hired a Are DJ, they- so they had a DJ out on his dock and... The whole thing just worked out perfect. It was a good weekend. They had some on the ocean when I lived in Fort Lauderdale. They had like they put a barge out there with fireworks. That yeah. was really cool. It looks cool. Yeah, with like when when there's a night when there's like lightning in the distance too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, which is like every night in Florida in the summer. Yeah. Uh, well, for once, in, for the first time in a while, we have absolutely. Uh, no problem coming up with stuff to talk about. <laughs> no. Let's see. Here's what's happened, and we'll just stick with the Braves. What's happened since our last podcast Friday? Four Braves tested positive for COVID 19, including pitchers Will Smith and Tuki Toussaint, who were asymptomatic, and Freddie Freeman, who was quite symptomatic. He had high fever, chills, headaches, body aches, the whole shebang uh, for about three days, from what I can tell. Uh, his wife, Chelsea's. Uh, put on Instagram last night that he's finally feeling better, which is a pretty quick quick turnaround for COVID nineteen. Yeah. I guess they should be fortunate, but that was until then. She said it was brutal for him. Um, so, and then we had the same day. First base coach Eric Young opted out of the season for coronavirus concerns. Brian Snicker said that it uh, said that he said EY was high risk. I don't know why. I'm not sure. EY's 53 is actually the second youngest, I think, of the Braves coaches. They have like four of them, including Snit, that are over 60. But he does have a young kid. Uh, EY's got a really young son. He's like a child actor. Real cool little kid. 
I don't know. I think that was, you know, might have played a factor in it. but I'm not sure if he was any other health conditions. But anyway, he was out, which is which kind of sucks, man, because he's a good dude, brings a lot of energy, fun to be around, always upbeat and positive. So, but they brought in Demarlo Hell, longtime uh, major league coach, who was on the staff as a special assistant last year. He'll come up and be first base coach and outfield instructor. Then you had Felix Hernandez, King Felix, opted out, which was a surprise to, I think, all of us, given how good he looked at spring training, his diminished velocity notwithstanding. Um, former AL Cy Young Award winner was trying to, you know, win a rotation spot, and until uh, Cole Hamels got healthy during the shutdown, it looked like King Felix would certainly be in the opening day rotation. Now that was a, him battling with Newcomb and, I don't know if he saw the writing on the wall or just said, you know what, for the for the relative pittance that he was making, I say that because he's made over $200 million in his career and he was going to make three hundred and seventy grand if he spent the year on the Major League roster this year. But he said it wasn't worth it or he didn't like the role or whatever, but he opted out. That was Sunday. And then the real shocker, Monday, the last guy on the team probably that I thought would opt out, well, Me other too. than like Acuna and Freddie Freeman, but Nick Markakis, the last guy I thought would opt out, opted out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after he gave his reasons, he talked to us. Felix left town without speaking, but uh, Nick talked to us. And, you know, a lot of the stuff he said, I hadn't really looked at it from that perspective, and I could understand, you know, maybe why, uh, why he uh, would do it. So – and we'll talk about that a little bit. But what 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 were your thoughts uh, about any and all of those developments, beginning with the COVID nineteen guys and and uh, and Freddie being one of them, and, and that shocker, and then Will Smith also, the biggest free agent they signed in the offseason. and then having a coach and two players opt out. Well, Freddie hit home for me because he's the first person I know personally that you know, like an actual friend of mine that got it. Uh, this whole time, right. it's I've just heard stories, and and me everybody too. seems to know somebody. But Freddie's yeah, the first too. person right. that I'm like, I could actually yeah. send him a text and be like, "How are you feeling?" You know, yeah. um, it's it's all just been kind of hear hearing stories of other people that know someone. But Freddie's the mm-hmm. first guy that you know actually had it. Um, and then cakes, man, that shocked me because it, it's just it's not in his it's not in his character to really be that guy that kind of ducks out. Um, I think it just shows you how serious he thinks it is. And I think, you know, with him, I think Freddie hit home. He said he talked to him and, and actually uh-huh. heard how bad he's feeling, you know. And, and I think that that's one thing where it's, you know, if you hear about it and you hear this, but then you actually talk to somebody that has it and you know how tough Freddie is, all the stuff he plays through to see him laid up for a few days. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that shook cakes. And I'm sure, you know, for him too, the routine, having yes, to jump that through. Was big. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because – Young guys, it's not as big a deal, but as you get right. older, man, the amount of work you have to put in to feel right. good every day, and I respect that so much, the guys that can get through that, the monotony of just like doing the same exercises to feel good on a daily basis. And um, that's what I had not thought about, that routine aspect of it, how disruptive that would be for a guy like Marcakis, who is the yeah. ultimate punctual guy. Yes, and that, that was the first thing that popped into my head early when we started hearing all the protocol was how would I get myself ready? Right, and you said that. And then you start thinking, you know, like Cakes has never had to wait to get in the weight room. Mm-hmm. And if there's a limit on guys that can get in the weight room and he pops in there at mm-hmm. whatever, you know, four o'clock is normal time. And someone tells him, you got to wait 45 minutes because there's too many guys in here. Yeah. You know, that throws his whole routine off. Right. So 
I think that probably, you know, that for me, like just looking at it, I think that was probably the biggest hurdle for him. Um, just yeah, not being able to have a routine. And the video room, all that SNIT has pointed out many times in the past how guys could set their watch by the time yep. Marcakis would walk in and leave. I mean, every day, just every day, like military punctuality. But, you know, and I also thought, I guarantee you, well, I can almost guarantee you that if he was still in the middle of that four-year, $40 million deal with the Braves and was still a cog, you know, a guy, a main guy in their lineup and all that, it would be different than it is now when he's more of a platoon player at this point of his career. He's 36. He's on a one-year contract. You know, if he was on a multi-year deal and was coming back next year, I really think he would – I can't see him opting out if he was a part of the team and he knew he was going to be going forward. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the same – same scenario with Felix too. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. With Felix has made two hundred seventeen million. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, yeah, and David Price both. Yeah, you figure in like forty five percent tax or something, some Lamborghinis and private jets, Gucci shoes, you know, whatever he's spending money on, he's got at least ninety million in the bank still. Yeah. And you, if you see the stock market's been moving like one and a half percent on a daily basis, his bank account probably fluctuates like one point three million a day. And yeah. he's looking at clearing 180000 this year. I mean, he's probably got a watch worth more than that. So when he's looking at – Literally. Literally, yeah. I'm not joking. I mean, you look at the stuff that he would have to jump through and the hoops he'd have to jump yeah. through on a daily basis to get ready, pitching in however many games. And he also probably got a taste of being at home with his family in summertime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that you just completely miss out on. I mean, every 4th of July I had when I was playing, you know, you usually – you don't spend any of the day with your family and then you're getting on a plane or something watching the yeah. fireworks from the sky, which is cool. But once you get to actually enjoy some holidays and take those days off, I mean, I, I'm oh. guessing it was hard for Felix to leave all that behind and and try to put this season together. He's probably just like, you know what, I'll wait till next year when everything's figured out. And, and the with- same thing. And the same thing with Nick. Three kids, yeah. three boys, three kids. 11 and younger, 11 and younger. And he's never had the time like he's had these last couple of months to spend around them and his wife in the summer. No, I mean, you you know, you wake up during the season, you say hi to your kids, pat them on the head, and you go to the field. Because mm-hmm. you're getting home so late at night, you probably sleep till 10, 11 a.m., you got to fight traffic. You spend mm-hmm. like an hour with your kids all summer. You go from that to just being home with your family uh, 24-7. I mean, it's, it's just, it's kind of eye-opening how much you've been missing out on. So I'm sure, you know, for those two guys getting to spend time with their family, swim in the mm-hmm. pool, do some summer activities for the first time in their life, it's, it's probably tough to go from that to jumping into wearing a mask and getting poked and prodded and figuring out how to get through a season. But I, I didn't that, see it happening to cakes. And having that uh, having that uh, cotton swab jammed yeah. up your nose and all that. Um, <laughs> that might be my Felix of, bounce. He might have got poked once up the nose and just said, I'm out of here. I'll see you next It year. looks horrifying. I haven't had it done. But, um, and a lot of a lot of things. Another thing people don't, you know, people think, well, they got the off-season to spend with their families. Another thing people don't take into account is, you can you can attest to this, obviously. During the offseason, I know guys like Chipper, Marcakis is like this. They love to hunt. The only chance they really got to do that as players was in the offseason. So they yeah. have these offseason routines where Marcakis spent, I think, most of his time hunting and then working out, getting ready for spring training, especially as he got older. He felt like he had to work out like a, like a maven every day, and he did, yeah. and showed up in spring training in great shape. Well, you don't do that by sitting around on the couch with your kids all winter. No, and you know it's it's one thing to be winter time's different weather, you know, unless you yes. live in Florida or somewhere nice. But there's nothing like barbecuing with your family, and yeah. if you got kids and stuff, giving them the space to run outside and mm-hmm. enjoy. I mean, having a few beers by the pool and just kicking it with your family is pretty awesome. 
And Kex um, was up in Baltimore, that area with his. In, yeah, in and the winners. I mean, that's not. Winter. It's not as enjoyable. You know, <laughs> kids are tough inside. They're they're a lot more mm-hmm. fun outside. Yeah, yeah. I think we all just uh, us uh, people that have like regular jobs and all that. We kind of forget the schedule is. Uh, it's grueling. It's just so upside down and different for for ball players. You know, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, they had this for the first time in their lives. You a know, and most of them for the first time, and <laughs> yep. a guy like Cakes for the first time in twenty some years that he that he didn't spend the summer playing ball every day. So all of a sudden, he's home with these kids, and he's going. He probably got to know his sons like he's never known them. You <laughs> yeah. know, spending yeah. like ten hours a day with them some days, talking to them. So he probably thought, God, I don't want to go back and yeah. do this when it might be the end of the line for me. And but what you were saying about uh, Felix. You know, he had a good chance to make this team. Maybe he's going to make the team for sure. But, uh, yeah. you know, what his role was going to be, who knows? Maybe he was going to be long relief. Maybe he was going to piggyback, you know, starters. Because I think Nuke was probably going to be the fifth guy, but I don't know. But maybe he looked at it as, I'm not going to get a whole lot done. I'm not going to get a lot closer to those goals he has You know, get with a 60-game season. You know, the goals of being 3,000 strikeouts and all that. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to do much if you're not pitching – in a regular basis, especially if you're not even starting, in, in, which I don't know if he would have or not, in a 60-game season. And he might have looked at it as, I can reassess, look what the market's like next winter, um, and then try to make a run at it again if I want to with a full season instead of a 60-game season where I'm going through all this stuff that's like, you know, like you said, like with Marcakis. These are guys that have been around, played for 15 years. They have these strict routines, and those are just thrown upside down. I think it's a lot easier for a young kid who's in his first, second, third year in the majors to say, okay, this is new, but so was what I did when I came to the yeah. majors a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Your first few years, I mean, you're just building a routine. It's all a whirlwind. Yeah. It's it's kind of overwhelming, but yeah, I, I remember a female reporter, I can't remember which one it was, but she was saying baseball players of all the sports she'd covered were like the crankiest and hardest to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just because baseball's every single day, you know, it takes so much to put yourself mm-hmm. through uh, that routine you have and, and do all the monotonous, just mm-hmm. daily prep and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, it, to add in all this extra protocol to that, that's already annoying with, for guys. Um, it just didn't, I, I did, I, you know, I, I saw that, I saw all the things they were gonna have to do. And for me, I was thinking that would be the reason I wouldn't want to play, you know, not, not out of fear, but just trying to figure out how to navigate, um, a totally new game. And and when you're stuck in your ways and you've had a routine for so long and everything is built to be so convenient for the guys, like you walk into the clubhouse and there's just right. everything you need at your disposal. Um, and then all of a sudden it's all just flipped upside down. I just, I could see guys just saying, you know what, I'm just going to wait until this sorts itself out and, and play next year. But I think Felix will play for sure next year. Just the way he was talking. Yeah. Um, and to take that routine thing just even a step further, if you think about it, Felix spent all 15 of yep. his major league seasons with one mm-hmm. team, Seattle. Where and he was a king god there. Yeah. yeah, and he could, like you said, did nothing, didn't have to do anything you know, off the field that he didn't want to do. Um, Nick Marcakis was with two teams his entire career. The Baltimore, nine years. He was a god there. Comes here, his, 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 this, was his, uh, this would have been his sixth year here. So – Really, they, neither one of them has moved around and changed a lot and had to do different stuff. You know, they've they're set in their ways. Yeah, and which was a lot to do with their success too. So, yeah, then a guy um, five years younger than you gets it and he's laid up in bed. I mean, yeah. they, they had plenty of. I, I could see it. You yeah. know, I, I see it, but I didn't think it was going to be cakes. But yeah, I didn't uh, either. I hadn't thought about it. I just thought you know he's one of those guys that's so tough and all that. You, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he'd even want to 
just quitting to put it for lack of a better term is just out of his vocabulary. Right. I, but you know, I don't coming. think he, I don't think he sees it as quitting. So, no. and I don't blame him, but, um, and, and if he didn't have three kids, there's no doubt in my mind, he'd be playing yeah. no doubt in my mind, but, uh, it's worth noting again, the two, you mentioned the $215 million or whatever that, uh, that, uh, Felix has made the two guys that opted out on the same day. He opted out the same day David Price did earlier in the day. They're both 34 years old, both have a Cy Young Award, and they've both made over $200 million in their career. Yeah, yeah. Price I mean, walked away from $12 million. That's what he was going to make this year as his prorated portion, by the way. But Price, to me, I mean, he gives away a ton of money too, so he doesn't seem yep. like a guy that's that's you know needing every yep. penny of it. Uh, I think he lives a pretty, pretty laid-back yep. life. Um, and guys like that too, you know, if, if you're not – trying to be having a penthouse in Vegas and fly around on right. private jets and whatnot, you know, it's, it's probably not as appealing and, and he's made enough, you know I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's so much money. <laughs> he gave a lot to, uh, the minor the leaguers. Season. Yeah. To the minor leaguers. Yeah. I think he made a contribution of, to Vandy too. Yeah. But yeah, he paid all the minor leaguers in the Dodgers system. Yeah. How about that? What do you, what a, what a, what a gesture. And then, and, the, and then you opt out and leave 12 million on the table the same, you know, a month later. Yeah, everybody's different. Yeah. Uh, so you got Marquecas is going to be missed, man. I know he's not the impact player that he was on the field uh, for most of the time here because he was an everyday guy, and now he's more of a platoon guy. But you know, we've talked about this. You know, he is such a quiet team leader and sets an example and keeps guys in line. And Freddie relied on him so much too to share the leadership mantle. And then, and then McCann when he was here, Julio Tehran when he was here, all those guys had part of the team that they kind of uh, led or led the, the entire yep. team by example in the case of a McCann. And, and, Mar- but Marcakis has always been that guy over there, you know, for the last five years on that side of the clubhouse that just had the, the the total air of professionalism about him. And nobody's going to screw around when they're around him, when he's in their presence. They're not going to do something stupid. No, I mean, that story about him offering to fight uh, John Hart, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that that pretty much tells you all you need to know about the leadership. After Hart you know, chewed out uh, uh, Snit, Snit, you know, yeah. he wasn't even getting yeah. on a player. He was getting on the manager and Snit yeah. had, or Cakes at his back. So yeah. that his leadership, I mean – this is a year where you're going to need more leadership than ever, you know, just mm-hmm. talking about how beat up the team is and how hard it's going to be to build chemistry and get on the same page. So they're definitely going to miss that. Somebody's going to have to step up. Yeah. Mark, Nick said, when we talked to him after, uh, after the announcement was made and he said, you know, all the daily stuff, the extensive preparations and all that, um, he wouldn't be able to do that with their, with with the restrictions they have on the time in the weight room and everything. They want everybody staggered. They don't want groups anywhere. You know, they get social distancing, all that. Uh, and then you know, he talked about his wife and three kids and his two parents. You know, both live in, in the Atlanta area and came to every home game. Well, they wouldn't yeah. be able to come to the games. So he, when he talked about the fans, he said that was a huge factor, kind of the last the ultimate factor. Um, I think people didn't really should have equated that not just with the fans in general, but also with specifically his wife, his three kids came to the games. His mom and dad though came to every game and that was really his chance these last five years to connect again so much with his mom and dad. I think with them at the games, watching them every day just made him feel good. So they might've looked at Nick and thought him, he's not really a guy I would think of to get so much out of playing in front of the fans, but he did. I mean, and, and especially in front of his family and friends, you know, cause he's from here. And of Woodstock High School in Atlanta. 
So yeah, and it's hard to play in an empty stadium. You know those. Yeah. I was thinking that I really hope you know if I was playing, I'd want them to do that background fan noise just to. I mean, it almost just satisfies part of your ADD out there on the mound. Um, it, those rookie ball games, or or if you watch a big league game after a rain delay, I mean, it's a totally different atmosphere. And if you're if you're getting yeah. to the point where you are where Marcakis is at in his career, you know it takes everything you got to get up for yeah. the games. Um, I mean, I, I didn't. You're right. I didn't think that would be a huge factor for him, but it's cool to hear that from him because he's so stoic all the time. You know, it's, it's yeah. he's hard to get a read on. But yeah, he is. It, fans are a big factor. You know, that's going to change. That's going to change things for a lot of guys not having that energy to feed off. You have to find it. You got to kind of dig deep. And, and he got a lot out of it, having his parents there at the games, too. He never talked about it, but he did. I mean, he liked having them there. And family and friends, they were there. Um, well, having your family local is not necessarily a good thing either at this time because you're going to be traveling and doing more stuff, but people still want to see you. Yeah. You know, so you'd yeah. be worried about your parents. And he had his parents here, you know, when he was – that could take care of his kids and all that. And and right now, yeah, traveling and all that now that was a factor too you know traveling and all that and his dad mom and dad obviously aren't young so no you're not going to be able to see them when you're traveling you're i think all of that played into him is you know he's a he's a smart dude that looked at the whole thing and just said you know and it also has to be noted uh you know he hadn't made 200 million but he's made 120 million and you know nick like i he's do good <laughs> yeah he's probably saved he's most of that fine. money and grown it too you know yeah i mean he's uh he's not a guy that splurges you know on anything really you know it's got a nice house i'm sure and some nice couple of nice vehicles but that's it he's not a guy that you know he's been married has three kids you know he's, yeah. uh yeah he's he doesn't live extravagant he walks in you know wearing uh you know uh, cargo shorts and a t-shirt you know in home <laughs> yeah. games yeah that's him he's just he wears those walker suits on the plane you know he's yeah. not seeing a tailor he just throws on the most basic suit i mean he's probably got some elite hunting gear but that's yeah i would guess that's, that's the only it. place he splurges i never saw him driving a nice car or anything yeah um so anyway he said uh a couple quotes from me he said i was excited to get back playing i asked him i said you know, did it change during the three months when you were out from the time you were at spring training to now? And he said, I was ex as excited to get back playing just as much as everybody else. When you show up to the ballpark and you're used to your certain ways over so many years and then coming into this, dot, 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 it makes it tough, especially with what you know is going to happen throughout the season. Talking about yeah. all the travel, all the demands, all the, all the tests, everything. And I think the biggest thing is I talked to Freddie Freeman the other day and just hearing him, the way he sounded on the phone kind of opened my eyes. Freddie didn't sound good. Uh, and then he emphasized the no fans angle, like I said. He said, I love the game. I love competing every day. But the biggest thing in my decision is we play this game for the fans to go out there on a daily basis and compete and entertain for them. That's what it's all about. And to have to go out there and not have them part of it, it's tough. And I think that was kind of my ultimate decision. We play for the fans and to take them out of the equation, it's tough. He said it's not really baseball to him without any fans in the stands. But a couple more things. He said, uh, uh, I asked him about, you know, what do you do in his, or, or someone else asked him about it, what do you do in his first non baseball summer, you know, in, in two decades? And he said, I've got three awesome kids and an awesome wife at home. So my oldest one is 11 years old. And all he knows is baseball, so it's going to be nice to switch into daddy mode for a little bit, give mama a break, and spend some quality time with the family. I know they miss me. I miss them. Hopefully this isn't the end of my rope. We'll see how this goes, how this season plays out going into next year and kind of base my decision off of what happens after the year, after this year regarding whether he'll try to play next year. I, I'd be, I think he'll try to play next year. Yeah, I do too. Because he's, he's in great shape. He hasn't had any debilitating injuries. 
I mean, he showed up this year in spring training looking better than he has in five years. And, he, and he's always been in great shape, but he was really looking good uh, physically. So I would think he'd try to play next year. Uh, and if the if the Braves don't try to bring him back, I would not be at all surprised if the Orioles did. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, the other thing I was thinking is his wife probably needs a lot more help right now because you can't have nannies and things like that in your house, really. Right, you know, right. Um so yeah, that's life, not talked about. Life at hard for moms right now. Yeah, man. you're right. That's not talked about, but that's a factor with these players, man. Because they yeah. all, most of them have nannies if they're if they're older and they got some money, and they got multiple kids. Yeah, you got you know your parents helping out somebody. Right, I can't do that either with, though. No. If your parents are older, you don't want them over. We've been cooped up with a two year old and a five year old, and we're just really blessed and lucky to have a lake in our backyard. But even then, you know, it, it, kids get bored quick. And they lose uh-huh. their minds, and and wife not getting any break, man. She needs more help from me than ever. Um, so I, I'm sure that weighed into his decision too. Every one of the guys that's opted out so far, I think, has family. Yeah, has family. They're they're guys that have made some money, so they have nannies and all that kind of thing. They have they have probably had multiple kids. I think most of them or all of them have. And you know that's a that's got to be a big factor, man. It is. It is. That that's why I said you know if if, it, if I was in those shoes. And I had a, a big amount of money, you know, that would kind of change the trajectory of my life after baseball on the line. Uh-huh. I'd probably just tell my family, stay here in Seattle and I'd go get it, you know, go play. But for guys that, you know, in those shoes that don't necessarily need the money and they're watching what their family's going through, uh, it's probably, you know. And then then you get there and you jump through all the hoops and see how difficult baseball itself is going to be. It's it's not that appealing. And then you had we had the Ross brothers, right? The two yep. different teams, but they and their mom and dads are both in the health. Like one's a doctor and one's a nurse, something like that. Yeah. So they're keenly aware of everything, which maybe other people should look and go. Maybe they know something I don't <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that sends off a red flag, and you know, yeah. like Freddie, I guess his aunt got it. Um, that that yeah. kind of watches their kids and helps out, but his wife right, and travels with them. His wife and son are, are fine so far. So it's it's so just far, such yeah. a weird, complicated thing that I, I still don't feel like, you know, we the have virus, that great yeah. of a grasp on. Yeah. It's it would just, you know, if you think about it, nobody even knew this virus. Uh, it didn't exist seven months ago or whatever <laughs> right. it was. So they're just learning yeah. about it still. Yeah. Um, oh, and about the state of the game, Nick said, I hope this virus can get kicked soon and everything gets back to normal. I hope baseball gets back to normal because we play a kid's game. This game is supposed to be fun. And when we have fans in the stands and the competitive edge, this game is the best game. It's America's game right right here. You just hate to see it in this state of mind. I get it. But when you're used to something for so long and they take it from you, it puts things in perspective. I'm definitely going to miss this year. But if this season does go on and continues, I'll be the number one supporter and their biggest fan. I'll be watching every day. He said, you know, he was asked, does he think there's going to be a season? And he said, I could ask you the same thing. What do you know? He goes, we don't, none of us <laughs> Nobody know. knows. Yeah, it's all just, yeah. everybody's just guessing. But I know that, you know, MLB is going to do everything they can, even with these hiccups yeah. with the testing and stuff. They're going to find a way, if possible, to play. As much as they've committed to this, the much money yeah. and time they've, as if they've committed to this and they have riding on this with the broadcast and on, they're going to try everything. Somebody said, well, what's the point of how many players have to, have to opt out before they just pull the plug? I'm like, a lot, a lot All more than have. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Teams will have to start opting out. And a lot of, and they're going to have to be a lot of bigger stars to drop out before they even consider that, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see. Snicker had planned to use Marquegas, like I said, in a five-man outfield mix. Well, so far they haven't brought anybody from the other camp over. Christian Pache and Drew Waters, two pro- top prospects. Pache's on the 40-man roster. He, they haven't brought him over yet. Um, 
They could, but they don't have to. They have four outfielders still. Yeah. With Adam Duvall, obviously Ender Inciarte, obviously Ronald Acuna, and Marcelo Zuna, who they signed in the offseason. So they could, you know, they could have used Nick and Duvall in a left field platoon if they wanted Ozuna to DH. They haven't said yet what the plans are or were. They could still use Ozuna both and Duvall in left field, one of them with DH. They could still use Riley to DH and have uh, Camargo play third. And then you could still have two guys to play left. There's a whole lot of ways this can go. You don't, you're not at a point where you need to go out and get somebody no. or, or bring Pache over yet and thrust him in there when he's, you know, he's not ready yet offensively. So, but, you know, if they have to, they will. If somebody else gets hurt or opts out or whatever. But right now they're okay. They're fine. And that depth that they had is really already – Paying off. I mean, you would yeah. have been in scramble mode right now if you didn't have that depth. You'd have been talking about, you know, thrusting a guy like Pache in without knowing if he's ready or not. And then you could, you know, hurt a guy's long-term development if he's not ready. Yeah, and you know, like it, that's just baseball too. You had a log jam <laughs> in spring yeah. training. You're talking about this log jam in the outfield, <laughs> kind of how you're going to get everybody in there. The DH solves some of that, and then Cakes drops out, and all of a sudden you're, you're talking about do you need to make a move possibly at some point yeah. to get an outfielder. How many how many times have we heard you know and it's so accurate when when people ask me what's going to happen this what's going to happen with that you know these things at the start of camp and I say <laughs> man like the managers say it's cliche but it's true these things usually work themselves out yeah this isn't the way you saw it happening but it, no, it definitely did but it already has worked itself out yep um, now it's four man outfield mix Pache knocking at the door. Um, they got a couple other guys too. You know, they got a guy like Ortega who, you know, had a big grand slam last year against the Dodgers. So they've got some options. Uh, Snicker said to Mark Gagas, we'll miss him. He's one of our backbones of our club. I know he's been thinking long and hard about it. When you lose a guy of that stature and what he brings and the player he is, it doesn't help you. That's for sure. Hey listeners, producer Cam here to tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer, because we all know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC, all one word. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code the athletic schedules were released Monday night, man, man, and 20, <laughs> 20 games in the first 20 days, including your first 11 games against the Mets and Rays, which means you're going to see a couple of Cy Young award winners probably multiple times. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, people keep talking about that urgency and, and needing Freddie, you know, the, the good news when you look at the schedule, man, it's tough. I mean, they have yeah. a tough schedule. You, you thank God for the Marlins and Orioles at, at some point during the year, but yeah, 
Freddie can roll out of bed and hit 280. There's there's no I have no fear that that he'll be ready and, and he's already feeling better or whatever. But you could give this guy just three rounds right. of BP and send him off day one of yeah. the season and he's going to have a good year. Um, you but need still, to have Hamilton, Freddie ready. Yeah, you do. You do because I mean, you look at this schedule, man. There's not a lot of breaks. Those first 20 games in 20 days, you can't afford to start out, uh, you know, seven and 13. You can't do that in a 60 no. game season. No, and the, you know, normally you want to play a lot of games to start the season without, you know, without many off days. You want to save them for later later on in the year because it's such a long year. But this year's not a long year, and also, man, it's going to be a mental grind for these guys. You know, it's just sitting in the hotel and not having to worry about doing any of that protocol. I mean, the the, the mental recharge they'd get out of an off day early on would be huge. Um, and it's it's not twenty days in, or twenty games in twenty days against just some okay opponents. Like every one of these teams. Maybe, you know, except for the Blue Jays has pretty good starting pitching is going to give them a run for their money. So be a big test. The good thing is this pitching depth they have, they still have a ton of pitching depth, even with uh, Felix Hernandez gone and with Tukey, you know, on COVID and Will Smith on COVID right now. You need, obviously, you need to have uh, Will Smith and, and back before the season. I mean, that Your would hurt yeah. if, you're, if him and Tukey are both out. Then you start to look at, you know, your depth is starting to be lessened. But right now, they still have ample amount of guys that can even do the piggyback thing they're talking about doing for the first two weeks. They can still do that. You know, they've only lost one guy from that group, uh, assuming Will Smith and Tukey are ready by the time the season starts. And even if they're not, you still like their depth. And that's just because they've built up so much pitching depth and they would not have been in the situation in the past. You would have really been scrambling. Oh uh, yeah. You'd have been looking at, you know, guys like Biddle and Sabatka, you know, guys who've had problems in the past with command, that kind of, you'd, been, you'd have been having to rely on those guys heavily out of the shoot, you know, which you're not going to have to do this year with guys you're not sure of, that you're not, that you're not comfortable with. Yeah. And that extra roster spot, you know, a couple roster spots is huge. You know, just having more arms in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw they're talking about, you know, giving the starters uh, four innings or something in inner squad soon. Which is huge because that means they might be ready for five or six. I don't know if they're going to jump in that quick, but your bullpen is going to get beat up in the first twenty games. Snit said it did not change that they're going to go with uh, they're going to start controlled scrimmages Wednesday and Thursday. They're going to start real like real scrimmages uh, inner squad with umpires they're bringing in starting Monday. And he said the starters by Monday are going like four innings, forty five, but a forty five pitch. He also said doesn't change the plan they have, which is to have most of the starters go two to three innings the first time through and then bring another guy in uh, in most of those situations to go two or three, two to get it to the bullpen. Because they have they go about eight, nine starters deep still. Yeah, but if one of those turns into an inning and a half from a starter and then yeah. the guy coming out of the pen yeah. gets backed up and you don't have That'll an off happen, day to right? regroup, oh, it's happening. I mean, yeah. it's, it always happens in baseball. But you don't have that off day to regroup and let your pen catch up. You know, you're going to be asking a lot of relievers to go longer than they're used to, too. It's a good thing they got a lot of relievers, huh? Yeah, they do. A lot of good, good ones, ones now. Good ones, yeah, yeah good that ones, helps. Good ones. Not guys, not kids and, and riffraff that's bounced around and not here for, you know, 27-year-old rookies, that kind of thing. They got right. They got good ones. Um, they uh, – yeah, they need Hamilton Freddie ready to start. The first 11 games are against the Mets and Rays. Uh, you're going to have July 24th starting at City Field, 4, 10 p.m. Going to have Mike Soroka, I'm sure, against Jacob deGrom, the two-time Cy Young Award winner. That's not bad. That's going to be fun to watch. The Sunday night game, the series finale, that one's on ESPN. Uh, 
Hamels, he's thrown three bullpens in the last few couple of weeks, last week and a half, and no problems so at all so far. And he says the shoulder feels great. So we'll see. I mean, he's still he's still going to go in unless he pitches one of those exhibition games that well they don't even have them scheduled yet, but they we're assuming they're going to have a couple at the very end before before the season. But unless he pitches one of those, he's going to go into his first start of the year having not pitched in a real game in like you know since the end of last season because he didn't pitch at all in spring training. It's nine months. Yeah, it's a while. Uh, and, and you know you're jumping into New York and Florida on back to back road trips, mm-hmm. the, the two of the worst worst places right now to go. Um, it's I mean they got some hurdles, but with Hamels, you know I was thinking all along, you know with the regular season, oh it's fine, you just want him for that you know that stretch run in the playoffs. But it's almost like they're jumping right into the stretch run, especially right. with how tough how yeah. tough the schedule is. Yeah. I and mean, you got I, I you got three games against the Marlins and Blue Jays that that you think you know you have a pretty good shot against in in August and then you got the Marlins and Orioles a lot in September, which is nice, but mm-hmm. it was such a short season, man. You could be eliminated or not even have a shot by, by late August. So it matters. How about They're the schedule? You play, you play 20 and 20 days before your first day off, August 13th. And then you have three days off in an eight day span, August 20th to 27th. It's always like that too. Uh-huh. I hated that. I, I always wanted, you know, just a day off here and there. When you start getting too many, it's just, you kind of get out of your rhythm a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's always clustered like that where it doesn't really seem to make sense, but there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you know, they came out with the schedules last night and we knew the East teams were only going to play other teams in the NL East and then teams in the AL East. They're not going to travel yeah. out of the, they're, the East teams don't even have to leave the Eastern time zone and the Braves don't even have to leave the country because they're not going to play Toronto up there only here. It's, it's kind of weird, uh, but I knew they were going to probably have or find it impossible to make this balanced to make it work in 60 games to where you're playing equal games home and road against your division foes. And that was impossible to do in a 60 game season. So as a result, you got some really flunk uh, kind of quirky things. You've got, uh, you let's see the Braves open with three against the Mets, then two at Tampa Bay. Then they return and play two against Tampa Bay here to open the, uh, in your home, your opening homestand, July 29th home opener against the, the Rays at Truist Park. And then you play a nine game homestand. Um, but you got, you got, you know, your 40 games against your NLE's foes, 10 against each of them. But it's not balanced where you're playing an equal number series home and road, for instance. No. You've got, uh, oh, and, and the, oh, and the good news before we get to that is as rough as their opening. St- uh, slate is if they can get in good position, you know, be in good position at you know middle of uh, middle of uh, uh, September, they should be in good shape because seven of their final thirteen games are against the Orioles and Marlins. Who yeah, might be the no, two, ten. Might be the two might be the two worst teams in the. Uh, From the seventh on, they play the Marlins three times, Orioles three times, and the Marlins for four more. So, so that's I mean, ten got, of your yeah, ten of your what last what. 10 of the last six, like 18 games. And seven of the last 13. Um, yeah. You have you have four road series against AL East opponents. You have two at Yankee Stadium, August 11th, 12th. Three games at uh, Fenway Park, August 31st, September 2nd. Three at Camden Yards in Baltimore, September 14th to 16th. And then that trip to Tampa in the second series of the season. Two games. You've got 10 games each against your NL East opponents, like I said. But... 
10 against the Marlins, includes seven in Atlanta, one three-game series in Miami. On the other hand, you've got the 10 against the Phillies includes seven games in Phillies, two series up there, and only one three-game series in Atlanta. You got uh, six games against the Nats in Atlanta and only one four-game series in D.C. So two series against them here and one there. And that's part of the longest trip of the season. That's September 10th, 13th against the Nationals. That uh, yeah. That's the longest trip of the season. It's 10 games in 11 days against the Nationals, Orioles right there together, and the Mets, which in a normal year you'd have maybe three trips that long. Yeah, you know, normally. 10 games, 11, yeah. But you'll have one of the those. Good, the good news and, is the home, home and road doesn't – I don't think it matters as much without fans. No, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, you got maybe some ballparks – like Houston, that's really quirky. Uh, yeah, you know Yankee Stadium with the short right field porch, so you build your team around that. So, you know, but it's not like in the old AstroTurf days where you built your team with speed to take advantage of the turf. I mean, other than having you know a lot of you know lefty hitters to take advantage of the right field porch at Yankee Stadium and that kind of thing, you really there aren't you know or Boston. You know, you you're used to playing the monster, obviously, and that gives you a distinct home field advantage. Yeah. But it's still nothing like it is when it's packed house in those places like, you know. Philly gets crazy. Fenway, uh, you know. Uh, Fenway's crazy. Yeah. Washington actually, I mean, since they've been good, they've had some yeah. really good crowds too. Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, some players, I always fed off that energy on the road because I wanted to I wanted to, to, to get those fans, you know, when they're coming at uh-huh. you and screaming at you and stuff, it almost – it almost motivated you versus you're letting your your fans down at home if you struggle, right? Um, yeah. But – yeah, I just think without fans, you know, it's it's not as big. You know, you get the last at bat on at home. That's you, the difference. Yeah, that's going to be a game changer, and you can't use your closer on the road. You know, in a tie game, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But overall, you know, the fans are probably the biggest uh, component of of that home field advantage. So not having them, I don't think it's as big a deal to to not have as many home games against the team. And the Braves really turned their ballpark finally into a home field advantage yeah. last yeah, year. They, they they had good crowds and uh, and the chop and everything's pretty intimidating late in the games with, when the place is packed and they're making a pitching change that kind of thing. Um, but those you know the Braves also have had an identity as being a never say never, never say die, and coming back in those in the ninth inning. Yeah, and a lot of those comebacks at home, you know, bottom nine. You re- <laughs> yeah, you really had the crowd roaring, so that's going to be. A different component, I think, with no crowd there to to really kind of get jazzed up and, you know, them, you know, have the chop going and all that crap. You know, it's uh they're gonna have to just be able to do it on their own, the team, obviously. Yeah, and you feel that, you know, especially as a reliever, you do feel that, you know, if, if you're pitching somewhere like Philly on the road and, and it's a packed house and you give up that leadoff single in the ninth and the crowd just goes yeah. crazy, you know, even if you're up by three, yeah, you know, it almost kind of you just it just registers where you're like shit. I better get my things together uh-huh. real fast because because they can feel the energy and they want to make it happen. So it definitely you know it has an effect on relievers and stuff like that. But again, I mean you know it's without that, whatever you know the last at bat's huge. Otherwise, you know that the team will just have to figure out a new way, and you're going to be actually be able to communicate with your teammates and yell at them on the field. So it yeah. might just be a different kind of energy you could take everywhere. Braves home. The Braves are going to play all their uh, uh, home games. At 7.10 p.m., uh, their night games, I should say, and their Sunday home games uh, d- will be at 1.10 p.m. So there's not going to be like a, you know five different starting times, which is dictated by TV. So that's not going to happen this year. So that'll be easy to keep in mind for people that are like to 
get home and watch the game on Fox Sports South and that kind of thing. Well, they're playing earlier then, right? Because they're not they're yeah. not putting in that seven thirty five for traffic. Yeah, and that was going to move anyway up this year, but not not as much as it did. It moved up last year and then this year. So yeah, that that had changed a little bit last year. Changed by ten minutes, I think, last year. Um, and then just lastly, I, I mentioned that they're going to have the uh, uh, controlled scrimmages Wednesday, Thursday, and then the regular going to fly in. They're bringing umps, not flying in. I don't know if they can fly them in or bring them in locally, but they're going to have umps for. Uh, better have big big Monday. They're gonna have big and get ready to really start. I yeah. think that's we're gonna really start things getting rolling because you know, before you know, it, they're gonna be starting. I mean, it's already the seventh, and they're starting on the twenty fourth. It's two and a half weeks. Yeah, that's creeping up. That's creeping up fast. Yeah, especially if you haven't even played in any games yet. Yeah. All right. Well, it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, I hope they get it done. I hope there's not a disaster between now and then. And you know, the Braves have made it a couple of days now, a few days without having any positive tests, so that's good. Um, and cross your fingers and hope that all of baseball can get through this thing without any disasters and catastrophes and actually play a season. There's, it's not—they're not in the clear yet. <laughs> no, no, but they're gonna—they're gonna keep grinding and, and do whatever they can because there's a lot yeah. riding on it. All right, well, 755 is real. We're going to be here with you two times a week, and and uh, we'll ride this out together. But appreciate you guys hanging with us during this downtime. It was fun. Yep. All right. 75 is real. We're out.